Welcome, Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. Oh, it's been a fun week so far. I had a great opportunity yesterday to meet a lot of you at the Washington County Fair Parade. Screw some candy at your kids and grandkids. Sorry about that. <laughs> Hope they weren't too hopped up after the parade anyway. But it was a lot of fun and a great crowd. I really felt like that people were itching to get out and do something. And, uh, yeah, boy, the parade starts tonight. Or not the parade. The parade was last night. The fair starts tonight, 6 p.m. It's family night tonight. They've got concerts. They've got the, like, three or four live bands going, including the Rock Bottom Boys, uh, which is like rock with uh, hillbilly influence. I don't, I'm not sure what that means, but I'm going to go find out. Uh, also, uh, Horse Show, uh, 4-H uh, Horse Show is tonight. Uh, they have petting zoo, all kinds of cool stuff. So a uh, big, big fan of the uh, Washington County Parade, or uh, not Parade Fair, I did it again, uh, Washington County Fair, and a big fan of them moving it to the spring. I know we don't get, like, the fall harvest stuff, but uh, I'll tell you what, uh, to go from, it's going to be about 65 tonight when, when you go over there, to go from 65, or from 95 to 65, I think that's a pretty good trade. Anyway, uh, welcome to the program. Steve Dunham is with me with the Washington County School District. Steve, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Andy. I'm great. Thank you for coming on the program. It's always good to hear your voice. You're always so happy. I like that about you. Oh, you're too kind. You're too kind. Steve is a communications director with the uh, school district. Uh, there was a lot of controversy about you know the mask mandate being lifted. Uh, last Saturday, April 10th, was the, was the day it was officially lifted in the state of Utah. Of course, controversy? What controversy? <laughs> well, the problem is that us grown-ups are allowed to not wear them anymore, uh, at least, uh, you know, uh, unless we're in a place that says we have to. But the kids, the kids still have to wear them. What, what uh, kind of has been the feeling, uh, um, first of all, among the board meetings and then also among the kids? No, the kids are still allowed to not wear them as long as they're not at school. When they're right. at school, then they have to wear them. That's right. the trick. Um, yeah, the, the mask mandate, as the legislature went through this last session, um, they put forward a bill to remove the mask mandate, and they had to change the law to do that. And, and uh, so they, they, the governor knew that they would have a majority to do that, so he began working with them early on this, saying, hey, my goal is to get our state vaccinated so that we can be prepared for what's taking place. Um, the other thing he felt very strongly about is that we, we have to have some safeguards for those educators that, that uh, are helping teach our children. And so, um, you know, they, they, he wanted to keep that in place in the schools, and the legislature agreed to that. So the mask mandate ended for the general public on April 10th, Saturday the 10th, but it continues through June 15th in public schools. Does that include, say, your office, the, the district offices? Yes. It does. Yes, all school buildings. So, yes, uh, uh, here we're still wearing masks. Uh, unless you have a private space that you can go into, then you can remove your mask. Okay. Just for the record, by the way, Cherry Creek, uh, we're based, our company, our corporation is headquartered in Denver. They have a lot stricter rules uh, about masks and things in Colorado than we do here in Utah. And they have decided that the entire corporation is still going to stick by those rules. So I can't leave my studio without putting a mask on technically here at Harriet uh, Cherry Creek. So, See, you and I are in the same situation then. As soon as I, I walk out of the office, I have to put on my mask, and that's okay. You know, we've been doing it for this long. Uh, in my opinion, I'm like, hey, we've gotten through 31 weeks of school we can handle six more weeks and then be done, you know? And I think that was the goal. Let's just get through the school year. Let's not upset the apple cart. Keep it kind of the system has worked so far, 
and, and, and it's interesting because we know there's parents out there that really want the masks removed, um, but there's also parents out there that equally want masks to stay in place. And likewise, we have employees that want them removed, and we have employees that want them to stay in place. So it's a balance. And the current system has worked for 31 weeks. And so our, our philosophy is let's just, if it's worked for 31 weeks, we can keep it for another six. We'll get the kids through school. We'll end on a positive note of the school year. We don't want a repeat of last year with the fiasco there. And, and uh, you know, I think we can make this happen. Now, there, there are those, Steve, who have argued and still do argue that, look, if, you know, if, first of all, the kids are in the, the lowest risk group. And, yeah, there's only five weeks, six weeks left of school, but it's a principal thing. And, and you know, the, the, the principle is, you know, that, that they don't need them anymore. Uh, what would you say to those people just to hang in there? I mean, there, some people are not happy, as, you, as you've seen. There, there were even protests. Uh, I think up north there were, a couple, there, there were a, a, kind of a movement of kids going to school without masks on to, to kind of make a, a silent protest. You know, you know, there are. There are people that feel that way, but there are people equally on the opposite end of the spectrum, and they want to keep masks in place, and many of those are employees. They are in the high-risk group, so while children may not be, they can still be carriers, and they can still transmit, and the, those employees are nervous, and the mask is the compromise that they've been willing to accept to come to work to teach the children, to drive the children to school, to feed the children at lunch, to, to clean up in our custodial areas. And, and so these high-risk employees are saying, hey, let's just keep it. It's not hurting anybody. We made it through 31. We can make it for another six. And the flip side is, is if, if we had employees decide, that, let, let's say we remove the mask mandate in school, reality is we could have some employees um, – come together with their union and strike or just walk off the job. And wow. either way, that could affect us. It wouldn't take very many to put us in a horrible situation of, man, if we lost too many bus drivers or too many food service workers or too many teachers, we would have to go into a soft closure. And then we're right back where we were last year. And nobody wants that. That's a lose-lose for everybody. Yeah, yeah, for sure. On so, that if, so really, if you have a system that's working – it's like the principle is we want it done now. Well, if it's working, give us the six weeks and let's finish it. And then hopefully this thing will be done and gone and we will not see it again next year. I, I can't guarantee that. I don't know what the powers that be up north will decide. But my anticipation is, is that we won't see it next year. Six weeks. That's all we're asking. Let me ask you, you, you say it's working, the system is working, um, but there have been a lot of studies talked about, uh, you know, the, the, some kids are, are being psychologically affected by wearing masks every day in school. Uh, uh, I know on a personal note, I've had uh, members of my family who, I wouldn't say psychologically affected, but they personality has been affected. Uh, uh -huh. You tend to be less outgoing. You tend to talk less. You tend to, uh, you know, maybe not be as good of friends with someone because you can't see their mouth. You can't see their face. Have you seen any of that from your, uh, from Washington County? You know, I, uh, it's very possible that that is taking place in, in, with some families and with some students. I, I, I'm not an expert on every study that's out there. I can give you examples of what we have faced. Mm -hmm. And and the example I'm going to give you, last time I shared it, I got emotional, so I apologize if that happens. But with a pandemic, we don't know how this is going to affect everybody. The studies are showing that it is so minimal who it's going to affect, and I recognize that. And yet, if it were my father 
that it affected really bad and, and it ended up killing, I'd feel horrible if I knew that simply putting on a mask, I could have made a difference. Yeah. Um, the flip side is, is that when we were in soft closure last spring, it did not take very long before we saw a rise in attempted suicides by our students because they didn't have any social interaction with their peers. And so um, we, we knew after four weeks in that we had to do something different when school started last fall. We, we saw, I want to say it was about 12 attempted suicides, and unfortunately a couple of them were successful. And it's all because these kids, I'm sorry, it's because these kids didn't have the social interaction. They were all on remote. They were all in quarantine. And so our goal has been from the first day of school on August 11th is to keep the children in school. And if it takes a mask to do that, we'll do it because it's better for their mental health to be in school around their peers, around their teachers, and learning face-to-face. And we did not want to see a repeat of what we saw last spring. You know, sometimes we get dealt a hand, and you, you, the choices aren't, you know, good, better, best. The choices are make the best of what we have, and and I and Correct. I can appreciate that, and I really appreciate you, and I appreciate those on the on the school board that fought to make sure Washington County ne- didn't close. You know, this this year, this school year, and, and right from I mean, we've had people move here specifically because schools were open here. Because That's they correct. knew that their kids needed to be in school. And like you said, even if there has to be a mask on, at least there's school, at least there's sports, at least there's yes. activities. There's even been some dances and things. And, and those kinds of things, we might think they're frivolous or unimportant. They're not. You know, Steve, these things are so crucial to the development they really of are. Yeah. You, you know, if we can keep a sense of normalcy through uh, this I, I, I don't know how to say it other than crap storm of what we've dealt with for the last year. Um, it, it has affected everybody emotionally and mentally. I, I don't think there's a single person you talk to that can go back a year ago when this all started and say it hasn't affected them at all. I think it's weighed on everybody, and, and some people it's weighed on more than others. And and so if, if from our part we looked at, can we keep it as normal as possible? And we have worked closely with our cities, closely with our local health department. Dr. Blodgett has been amazing to work with. Yeah. We have um, worked with him through this whole process. And honestly, while schools up north have had to close for a few weeks because of their, their uh, infection rates, um, we have not. We've come really close on a couple schools this year and that was back in the november time frame we came really really close uh, on actually uh, three or four schools but he worked with us and he came in and he talked with us about what we were doing and how we can do better and and everything and we managed to keep all of our schools open and we're we're really proud of that and we feel like it comes with cooperation of the agencies that that were char- in charge of this whole situation Let's talk about a little bit about vaccinations. Now, uh, teachers were one of the very first ones that were given the opportunity to be to be vaccinated. And, you know, obviously a lot of people have different uh, opinions about vaccines. But uh, in your do you know what are the numbers for uh, the percentage of teachers and staff members that got got vaccines? Do you have that number? Are you aware? Was it pretty prevalent or, or not so much? Well, we don't honestly know exactly because it, it is a, a health 
uh, thing that is private. Privacy. Um, it wasn't mandatory. Uh, it was voluntary. And, and so we can only guess that approximately 60% of our staff chose to do that. It might be as high as 70 or more. Uh, we don't know. But, but we, we're confident it was more than 50%. We think it was closer to 60. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it's been good. I, I think it helped, you know, you're given tools. That's the unique thing about a situation like this. Science evolves. And so at the beginning, they didn't know what, and so they clamped down. And then as science evolves, there's more things, more or less restrictions that come about, and new things that they say, okay, let's try this. Okay, let's try this. Let's try this. That's how science works. And it's taken, you know, however long to get the vaccine out and going. And it's just one more tool we have available to us to help prevent this. As as far as activities are concerned, um, did we miss out on some this year? Have there been some things we just haven't been able to do uh, in the school district? Or has pretty much everything with precautions gone forth? Um, it, it's been really close to everything. There have been some activities that have been canceled. There have been assemblies that we've, we've uh, done away with or postponed until next year. Um, just, just kind of looking at it, we didn't want all the students gathered together indoors. We, schools have contacted us and said, hey, we'd like to do this outside, and um, we can distance and we'll wear masks. And we're like, okay, well, we'll that, we can live with that because, you know, they're outside, they're trying to distance, and, and, and we can accept that. So, so we've allowed some of those to go ahead and go forward, but others we have had to cancel. Um, but I would say it's probably 90% of the events we've been able to maintain. Um, unfortunately, some of them have been with a much smaller audiences. I know there have been school plays that have, you know, those poor students, they want to participate and show their families and their community what they've done, and then they can only have 25% of capacity in the auditorium. And that's yeah. kind of a bummer, I, and we get that. Um, but, it, but it's what we could do, and, and, and that's what we could, we could make happen. Better, better 25% than zero or no activity at all. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Exactly, on, on exactly. So, uh, you know, and, and for some of the events, uh, the sporting and the athletic events, um, especially the state finals, some of them, were, they weren't allowed to have spectators. I know swimming, there were no spectators allowed. And, uh, and then the UHSAA struggled with the, their streaming options. And, and so, you know, some events were missed and until they got that streaming figured out that it, it, it got it worked out. But so there were some hiccups. It, things weren't perfect, but, but we've, we've plugged through. Yeah. And again, I think there were people, it's crazy for me to think about this because I've never been this kind of person, but there were people who physically moved their entire family just so, you know, Johnny, who's a baseball player, could come and play baseball or, or Susie, who's on the swim team, could, could go swimming uh, with the team and, and, and get a chance to compete and maybe work on a college scholarship. But when you think about that, uh, a lot of these kids, if we're in baseball season right now. I, I'm getting to know some of the baseball players this year. These kids were sophomores last time they competed athletically on, you know, for their for their high school team. And uh, it's so funny as we had our media day, Steve. We talked with some of these baseball kids, and I'm like, now who are you? And oh, you must be so and so's little brother because we literally hadn't seen most of these kids at the varsity level. It's been two years. That's right. That's right. Because all of spring sports was canceled last year. That's correct. So it's kind of cool getting to know these guys. Some of them, you're like, oh, I remember your brother. And they're like, well, forget my brother. Here's what I can do. And it's, it's pretty, pretty cool to, to see that kind of thing happening. But when you think about the money 
involved for a family. If my kid can get a half scholarship or a partial scholarship or uh, get room and board paid for or something like that because they're an academic or because uh, because they're on a, a football team and, and a really good athlete, uh, that means a lot to a lot of families. And that's why, you know, when I think it's crazy to me, uh, you know, people, someone would do that. I also think, you know what, at the same time, uh, we're talking about, you know, a lot of money. We're talking about tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars, perhaps, you know, if your kid can get a scholarship and, and, and actually stay in school. And as you mentioned, Steve, learning remotely just isn't quite the same thing. No, it's definitely not. There, there's we can we've we found ways to make it better than it was last spring, but even at that, nothing nothing replaces face to face instruction and that interaction with the teacher and with their peers. Hey, if you want to be on the program today, my phone number is six seven three five eight nine zero. That's our studio line. You can text me at four three five four six seven five eight four two. That's our text line here at KDXU. And you can always email me, agriffin at cherrycreekmedia.com. In fact, I'm looking right now at my email. We've got a couple of emails. We'll uh, get to those in a couple of minutes and and talk about those. Uh, Steve, the, the, the school board meeting this past week, um, was was it a work meeting like like most others, or, or was it a little bit different? How, how did it work out? Was I mean, was it, was it pretty average meeting? Uh, for the most part, for the most part, I mean, the board always has other things that come up that they need to discuss. <laughs> Excuse me, my my allergies have been kicking in, so my throat keeps drying out, and I keep getting a tickle, but I have a water bottle here, so I apologize if I keep having to pause and take drinks, but uh, yeah, no worries. For, the most, for the most part, it was pretty normal. Um, there are different things that they, they felt like it was important to discuss. Among those were the mask mandate and things of that nature. All right, let's uh, let's go to the phone lines. Hey, uh, thank you for calling. You're on with Andy and with Steve from the school district. What's up? Hello, Andy. Hi, thanks for calling. Yeah, um, I want to thank our school district for being one of the best in the nation, probably. And I think they've handled it pretty well, pretty balanced. I mean, some people didn't like some of the masking and so on, but I think it, it actually worked out a lot better than most places, but... Um, one thing I wanted to bring up, I listened to Glenn Beck, and he was talking about, I think it's called critical race theory, uh-huh. where they basically teach racism in the schools that whites are bad and and just turn upside down the whole theory that, that we should be colorblind. And, uh, and apparently it's a real problem in California, other places. And so first question was, is there anything going on with our school district in that area, are we trying to stay mainstream and, you know, stick with the Declaration and the Constitution, all men are created equal and we have equal opportunity? And then the other, the other one is, why would we want to invite um, CNN or Channel One or other news media into our classrooms to teach liberal stuff like that that would basically derail our children? So those are the two questions, race theory and liberal media coming into the classroom. Okay. Yeah, we'll let Steve answer. Go ahead, Steve. Good, good question. So uh, race theory, no, we're, we're not teaching that. The curriculum is established by the state of Utah and passed down to us. And we have a, a person who's over the curriculum that they receive from the state and make sure it gets implemented throughout the district to the teachers on each level, whether it's language arts, whether it's history, 
whether it's uh, a mathematics, any of those things. Now, the board has some flexibility to alter that a little bit, but in our community, none of that is being taught. And if it is being taught, if a teacher is expressing it, we just need to find out about it. We need a, a student to speak with their parent, <coughs> excuse me, and, and, and say, hey, this was taught, this was a little confusing. Have that parent call the principal, and we will immediately investigate. We'll, we'll find out what's going on, and, uh, uh, and, we, and we can take a action at that. Because our teachers do have the, um, the uh, oh, I just lost the term that we, ha we use all the time. The, uh, the curriculum that we're taught, and we, we call it, oh, I can't think of what it is. Oh, oh GVCs, the, the Guaranteed Viable Curriculum that we want all the students to learn. So the teachers are expected to teach to those GVCs so that we know the students can pass off their knowledge on a specific subject before they move on to the next. And, and that's the step process we use here in the district. And it really is a great process which has proven to help the students learn quickly and move forward. Oh, now, good. In regard what, what about oh, media? Okay. The media. I was just going to get to that. So okay. there is a program um, that is put on by CNN, and it is a kids' news broadcast. It is supposed to be a, uh, a fairly balanced thing that has been approved by the state, and we have allowed that into our schools. Now, I don't know that there have been um, things that they have said that has been uh, – too biased in one way or another, but they do talk about things that are trending nationally. And so, um, you know, as we go through the political process and people have very strong political opinions, sometimes when you hear a national news story about one thing or another and you have a strong opinion towards it, you immediately think, hey, that was biased. It is generally pretty balanced, but it is directed to specifically for children, and it is sponsored by CNN, and it is a free thing that uh, a few of our classrooms use. Not every classroom. It's not every classroom. Okay. It's, yeah. it, it is specific to whether it's a history or, or a, 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 I'm trying to think of some of the other classes that social use it. Social studies, maybe? Something yes, like social studies. Uh, well, Thank you. The, the reason I ask is I help with a scout troop, and a couple of scouts were talking about something they heard. And it sounded pretty pretty biased, and I think CNN by definition is biased. So uh -huh. I would I would postulate and maybe see if there's parents out there that want to give you some feedback. But to me, I don't see how you could have CNN and it not be biased. So I would encourage the district to see if there's an alternative source or just cut that out. Definitely, definitely. You know, it, that's something that the board does do on a regular basis. They consider that feedback from parents, and they want to make sure that what we're sharing with the students does meet our community standards. We believe that, and that's why they call it a local education authority, because we want to cater to our community, not to what they're teaching up in Salt Lake along the Wasatch Front or what they're teaching in any other state or anywhere else. It, it's a local education authority. It's our community standards that help establish that. And, and I'd like to really thank you for your compliment at the beginning. We don't hear that very often, so that's kind of you. And, and, and we work really hard to be transparent and open with our taxpayers and, and, and with our parents. So thank you for doing that. Steve, i got to get a weather break in here. I will sure. uh, echo that compliment, though. I think Washington County School District is among the best because uh, we've uh, – you guys have been leaders in, in saying, you know what, this is what's most important, and we're going to stick with it. And uh, we'll talk – Well, I'll tell you – 
before you go, our superintendent says you either make dust or you eat it. And he says, <laughs> I don't like eating dust. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like Larry, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. <laughs> All right, thanks, Steve. We're going to take a commercial time out. When we come back, we'll have more on the school district. Talk a little bit more about curriculum. Welcome back. I'm Andy. This is the Andy Griffin Show. Thanks to those who turned down to the fair to cheer us on. It felt really good. I don't know. You hear a lot of negative in my business. And to get some positive feedback, kind of like Steve was saying a minute ago when someone talked about Washington County School District doing such a nice job. It, it kind, of, kind of feels good to get some cheers every once in a while, right, Steve? It's really refreshing. I love it. <laughs> Steve Dunham from the Washington County School District. Uh, got a couple of texts, and I kind of have uh, ignored them. I'm going to get to get to them. First one is, uh, hey, why do hourly employees that work for the district, like custodians, secretaries, et cetera, uh, get, uh, get paid hourly, but coaches cannot get paid hourly? I know a lot of coaches don't get paid much, and they, of course, don't do it for the money. I just I don't understand the policy. Your thoughts on that? And I know, I, just on personal note, Steve, I've known so many coaches, and I I actually had one coach, I asked him if he would figure out how many hours he put in as a coach uh, compared to what he paid, and it, it worked out to something like a dollar thirteen an hour or something like that. Oh, goodness. Yeah. You, you know, I, I know a lot of things, and I, well, I should say I know a little bit about a lot of things, and I'm not an expert on this. Um, I do know that they only do a stipend, <clears throat> and I don't know if it deals with um, – uh, uh, some sort of law, if you're already a salaried employee in another area, that you can only get so much additional uh-huh. um, because we can't pay two wages for two. You can't have two jobs with the same employee. I don't know. I don't know exactly is what I'm saying. But what I am saying is I know it is only a stipend, and, and I think it's usually, uh, man, I don't even know what it is. I think it's $3,000 for a head coach yeah. and so it isn't a lot i agree for the amount of time they put in it's because they love it but i i think it has something to do with the law and not being able to pay them outside of what they're hired to do and they can't have two jobs which is why it's a stipend but i don't know the exact answer i'm sorry when you think about this a young man uh, here in, in mm-hmm. st george uh, penny sewell uh uh, went to Desert Hills High School, was a star uh, offensive lineman at Desert Hills High School. Panay went on to the University of Oregon, where he had a couple of fantastic years. Probably going to be top five in this year's NFL draft. Now, Steve, I'm a, you're an educator, so these numbers probably are going to blow your mind. But uh, Panay probably will sign somewhere in the neighborhood of $7 million a year once he gets drafted. Uh, here in, in, you know, in, in the next little while. Uh, th- meanwhile, the coaches that coached him at Desert Hills High School are making, yeah, you're right, they're making you know, their base salary maybe forty grand and or, or maybe a little more, and then their coach salary a couple of thousand a year for the head coach, and, uh, and that's tough. And, and I, I know they're not in it for the money, and you ask every single coach, and I know I do it because I love the kids, because I want to help out, because I love the sport. But uh, but that's t- it's got to be tough sometimes when you see a kid you coached and he's going to make f- fifty times what you make. Uh, you know, I, I, from some perspectives, it may be it may be tough. Um, I, I've seen other coaches that have talked about the celebration they feel of seeing this athlete that they've helped mentor and, and, and kind of coach along the way find success at such a high level. You know, uh, I, I remember hearing from. Uh, Oh, what is the uh, rugby coach from up north, Highland High School? And uh, he had that uh, movie about him. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I know the movie you're you talking about. I don't know his name, though. Forever Strong. It is uh, Gelwicks, Larry Gelwicks. Gelwicks, okay. And I heard him talk about how his whole coaching philosophy was making these people better men, making these good young men out of his rugby team, and how a little high school in Salt Lake City, Highland High, and they became a powerhouse nationally where they won how many national champions championships and went to world championships and placed in the top five multiple times. And people would come from all over the world to play rugby at Highland High School because of how he coached and how he mentored. And he talked about how his whole goal was to make them better men. And, he, and they were required to do service. They were required to do kindness. And, and, and his goal was just to make better men. And he found such a reward in that. Let's uh, shift for a second here and talk a little bit about curriculum. Um, we teased, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but, uh, you know, we, we, we trust when we send our kids to school, we trust they're going to learn kind of what we learn. You know, when it comes to history, you talk about, you talk about the Constitution, you, you, you talk about the, the history of our country and the revolution, the settling of the Americas. Uh, but the narrative has, has shifted a little bit as we've progressed along the way, Steve. Who's our, who's our gatekeeper? Who's our safeguard person that makes sure that we don't get too far off the track of what really happened and we don't get, uh, you know, a, a narrative that might be not true or if it's true but it's slanted in one direction or the other? It's the State Board of Education. The State Board of Education establishes the curriculum for the entire state. They, they establish the, these are the key components of the curriculum that have to be taught every year in, in, for each grade level. And then that gets passed down to the district, and from that we break out, okay, how are we going to teach these key components and break them down into uh, subheadings? So you, so you look at that as your outline. They, they give you your stuff, you take it, break it out into subheadings, and, and then your teachers are given the, the freedom through professional development, through trainings, on how to teach each of those pieces. Like here in our district, I talk about the guaranteed viable curriculum, and uh, our teachers will do professional development on uh, days throughout the year, as well as in the summer, on how to make lessons exciting, engaging, inviting. And, and like I say, when a teacher deviates from that, when a teacher goes off on their own with their own belief, with their own thing, um, <coughs> then they should have a conversation with their parents, and that parent should contact the principal. Um, we will enforce that. We will, we will make sure that things are kept uh, within the bounds set by the state. I will say this uh, too, Steve. Um, a lot of parents, uh, in fact, I would say a good percentage of parents are involved in their kids' education. And what I mean by that is you, you, they, your kid comes home from school, you talk to them about what they learned that day, you yes. encourage them or help them with their homework. You're involved enough so that if something is a little bit askew, a little amiss, uh, you at least are aware of it, and then if you feel like action needs to be taken as a parent, you can, you know, you can, or a grandparent, you can, you can take that action. I will say this: so there is a percentage of parents out there that do not care about their kids' education. They send their kids to school. To them, it's six hours of babysitting that they don't have to deal with the kids, and uh, and and then when the kids come home, they don't, you know, whatever, you know, homework. I don't care whatever you do. I've seen it personally myself in some, you know, some of the schools that my kids uh, have gone to. That's extremely frustrating. Is there anything that we can do when, when this is a case? Because, unfortunately, it's somewhat common. It's hard, and, and it's more common than you might think. Honestly, we, we see it frequently in every single school in the district. Um, 
I think what's key, and this is what we try to encourage, is that <clears throat> those students have an adult that they they can connect with at the school. Um, sometimes, and I heard this from one of our school resource officers. Excuse me, I need to take a drink. Um, he said, you know, even a kind word can make such a difference to some of these kids. Yeah. And he says, if you if you can just try and greet the kids, try and learn their names, and try and make sure that they have a positive connection to start every day. And, and we really work with our teachers and our staff. Make it, make it happy for, as, as the kids are coming in. You know who is some of our best gatekeepers are our bus drivers? Ah. They are the first and last interaction the students have with the school system every day. And and we have some bus drivers that are so incredible. They are so positive. They have fun on the bus. They, they're like, hey, let's mutual respect here. And they do such a great job at keeping it positive. That's why I, I, I like to highlight our bus drivers. They do a really amazing work, and they are. They are the first and last opportunity the children have to engage with an adult in the school system every day, and they really set the stage for a positive interaction at school. Just got another text. Uh, is the Constitution taught uh, uh, or really emphasized in Washington County School District? Do you know about that? I don't know how, how it's emphasized. I know it is taught. I, I, I know that's part of the, the histories and the social studies courses. But I can't tell you the specifics. Again, I know a little bit about a lot of things, and I don't know that specific. But if that person would like to email us at the school district, there's a website feedback form on the district's website. I would be happy to get a an exact response back to them if they'd like to do that. Very good. Very good. All right, got to get one more commercial break in, Steve, then we'll wrap the sure. show up. And, again, the folks, if you want to be a part of the show, 673-5890 is the phone number. You can text me, 435 435- Four six seven five eight four two. Text me. We'll uh, I'll read your text right here on the air. Every once in a while, I read one cold too. I don't even pre-read it, so uh, don't make it. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't want to do an anchorman thing and say the wrong thing on the air. So I've got to be careful there. But uh, and then uh, and then if you want to email me, a Griffin at Cherry Creek dot com. Would love to hear from you on the program. All right, uh, we'll have Steve back here in just a second. Uh, real quick, uh, thank you so much to Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney's a big uh, supporter of the program. Joe Shoney's specialty as a loan consultant is making sure that you're uh, really kept in the loop all the way along the way. He works for New American Funding. Uh, his specialty uh, is uh, people. It's that simple. People. He takes care of people. He talks to people. He emails them. He te- Whatever it is that you need to know about your loan and whatever uh, way you want to be contacted, Joe wor- will work with you. He's been so good that at 520 reviews later, he's got an average of 4.96 out of five stars. That's incredible. This one from Gavin says, Joe always delivers. We've used him a few times, and it's been great each time. I would highly recommend him to anyone Another five-star review from Casey says, uh, very personable and responsive service, exactly what we wanted. It's five-star reviews all the way across the board just about for Joe Shoney. Give him a call today at 435-590-6300. Welcome back, and thank you for listening this morning. I am Andy Griffin. I hope, uh, hope I smiled and waved at you during the parade yesterday if you were there. If I didn't, I'm sorry. I was 
I was so busy trying to get candy to the kids that I may have missed a few of you. But again, thanks for coming to the fair and thanks for listening to the program. We've got Steve Dunham on today from the Washington County School District, uh, a leader, a country leader, uh, the Washington <laughs> County School District, because you guys stuck by your guns. You said we're going to stay open Come heck or high water, we're going to keep this district open and kids coming to school. That's how important it was. Was there some impassioned speeches when it came down to it, when, you know, either at school board meetings or in front of the state that say, look, no, this is what we have to do? You know, I, I think with uh, the school board was in agreement, <coughs> um, and our superintendent was just adamant. We have to do it for the kids. And, you know, there, especially at the beginning of the year, there were some employees that were quite nervous, and, and we just had to provide the reassurance that, hey, we're going to do everything we can to keep you safe. We want you to do what you feel is necessary to keep you safe, but um, this is what's best for kids. And as educators, we have to put that as our priority on this. And our teachers have been good. They, they, uh, in some cases, they've overcome their fears. In some cases, they've been like, heck yes, sign me up twice, you know, and, and they have been so good. Our teachers are... <laughs> I like our staff, and I'm always cheering them on. I just said our school bus drivers are the best, and now I'm saying our teachers are amazing, and they really <laughs> are. You know, we, you don't get into education to, to make a fortune. You get into education because you want to make a difference in the lives of kids. You see how there are a lot of kids out there that really struggle. You see that there are a lot of kids out there that don't have the help. And it, it, I'll, I'll be honest, it's a heck of a lot cheaper to educate the kids than it is to incarcerate them. And uh, if we can provide them with a good education where they can leave our system um, with a degree, they're in a much better situation than if they had no education at all. There was some pretty clear uh, studies done and proof, really, that uh, when schools were closed and we were trying to teach just remotely, that, that kids were falling behind. It wasn't working, uh, at least not as, as effectively as it should have been. Uh, has there been any uh, indication that having the school open but maybe having masks and some of the other restrictions in place, has that been a detriment? Or do you feel like you know, just having them there has managed to keep, have them keep up? It has. We have been able, in fact, we already have some of our reading scores back because we test, we do the Dibbles testing for the uh, the younger grades, the kindergarten. And I believe it's, uh, I, I want to say, I can't remember if it's kindergarten or first grade and then third grade. <clears throat> and we saw where students fell behind last spring. And with our current Dibbles scores that we just got at the end of February, we have already got our students caught back up to where they should be, wow. and and they've surpassed the state average. And so we feel really, really good that getting the kids in school where they can have the interaction, we've been able to make up whatever was lost last spring in most cases. Steve, you deal with kids on a daily basis as a member of the, you know, as a communications director with the school district, and, and obviously their concerns are, are so important. Uh this has been a topic on the show before, and I, I kind of try to get everybody's opinion on this. And it's obviously, it's not necessarily an expert opinion, just your opinion. But is there going to be a long-term effect on, say, your average 6-year-old or 9-year-old or 12-year-old somewhere down the road? Is it, What's happened to them with COVID-19, with school canceled for a while, with school masked up for a while? Do you feel like there's going to be, I mean, we're going to pay the piper 10 years from now or 20 years from now? Well, let me preface this by saying opinions are like backsides. Everybody has one, and they all stink, okay? <laughs> okay. Now that I've said that, um, I honestly think kids are very resilient. 
you, which is why we try to provide normalcy. Whenever there is a, a big event happening, whenever there is a tragedy, whenever there is something out of the norm, we try to get them back to normalcy because children, in the most cases, are resilient. And they can recover and they can um, come back to a place and learn to cope with the challenges that they're facing. Now, it does take... Uh, we can't do it all, and, and we're not supposed to do it all. We're educators. But uh, if parents will keep in mind, kids will emulate what they see in the home. And if parents are positive about things, the kids will be positive about things. If parents are struggling with things, we'll see kids struggle with similar things that their parents are struggling with. And, and those are just things we see. Again, this is my opinion, but, but I truly believe that most kids are, are quite resilient and with the help of their parents in the home can overcome uh, most things, most trials they're facing. I'll, I'll add to that, Steve, in that, you know, we're talking about the detriment and uh, maybe long-term effects, but there might also be maybe the reverse long-term effects. Maybe we're going to be a little bit stronger, a little more resilient, a little bit uh, you know, when the masks are finally off, maybe we're going to be more outgoing and more kind and, and uh, friendly and, and loving to other people. Uh, maybe that will be the long-term effect. And that is really true because we're finding that parents that are always hovering over their children and not letting them struggle, not letting them fail in some regards, the kids aren't learning how to succeed. And so it's okay to let your child struggle a little bit uh, in some areas, obviously, not in everything, but, but it is okay to let them struggle. It is okay to let them figure out a process to solve the problem. Kids need to be problem solvers as, as they're growing up, and that's what a lot of employers are looking for, people that can solve, find a solution to whatever they're facing. And so if we can provide little ways for our children to do that, they will be stronger in the long run. Yeah, I think kids, uh, I think they uh, they crave structure and, you know, not oppressive structure, but structure in their lives. Uh, just a, on a personal note, I, you know, my, my young, we have one kid left at home. My youngest daughter uh, said something like, uh, you guys don't care about me as much as the other kids. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she goes, well, the rules that are, are on me aren't as restrictive as they were on my older brothers and sister. And I was like, well, yeah, I thought you would like that the rules aren't as strict. And she's like, well, you know, when's the last time you checked on my grades? And I'm like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> Isn't it because, though, that she has been able to see the older siblings and learn from their mistakes? And so she has a higher level of trust because she hasn't made the same mistakes as the older siblings. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, probably so. And and uh, honest honest truth is too. She she saw that her brothers brothers and sister turned out pretty good, and she wants to turn out pretty good too. I think I, at least that's what I'm reading in, into the whole thing. So that's true. That's true. Um, real quick, we have about two and a half minutes left. I wanted to ask you about this. Yesterday, I had on the program a guy, a, a doctor, an, on a, an expert on obesity. And he said something to me. I was a little surprised, but then, you know, as I think about it, not as surprised as I might be. But he said there are now more people who qualify as obese in America than that don't. And I, I was wondering, you know, as we apply it to the Washington County School District, is that an issue with our school children right now? Is obesity becoming a thing where we need to take action? You know, um, Again, I'm not an expert on, on that, so to speak, but there, there were rules put in place about the nutritional guidelines of school lunches, about what we can offer in vending machines, and they've gotten better. 
And so we're not offering um, all of the candy, all of the snacks, <coughs> all of the fatty foods that, that maybe were offered uh, years and years ago. Uh, and so I think it, it really has gotten better as far as from a district perspective in, in that regard. We can't control what happens at home, however. Yeah. Um, and so... I, I, I will say this, the Michelle Obama lunch plan was a, a colossal failure, at least in my kids' minds. They, they ruined lunch for a few years there. You know, I didn't want to bring that up because <laughs> I, I think it was a definite struggle, especially for us as educators, to try and find food that was it really tasted good and met the requirements. The, you have to have a balance in everything. And so, yeah, it, it was a trick, that's for sure. All right, uh, last minute, uh, Steve. First of all, let me thank you for uh, coming on the program. Uh, always great to talk to you. You have a, a great attitude. My pleasure. And a great voice. Uh, County Fair is uh, starting uh, tonight, 6 o'clock. Are you going to go out to the fair sometime this week? You know what? I, I If I could, I would actually like to plug another thing happening on Saturday. Yeah. That it is the Kite Festival, and uh, this is one of our largest fundraisers for literacy in the school district. And so uh, all of the elementary children have been reading for weeks, and they just need to bring their chart to the Kite Festival at Dixie State University this Saturday. Um, and then you can go to the fair afterwards, okay? Sounds good, Steve. Thank <laughs> you for, for coming on today. Really great to talk Th- to you. Thanks. I appreciate it, Andy. 959 on News Radio 890 949 KDXU. I'm uh, Andy Griffin. Tomorrow, Mayor Thursday, Mayor Chris Hart from Ivan City will join me. We'll talk about some of those uh, same issues. Obesity is, is one of them. Mayor Hart, by the way, he didn't have a problem with that. He's a skinny guy. But uh, I'll be back and we'll talk then.